wrong oh, to yeah. begin the day. I get a call that the auditorium is sealed off. Oh, yeah. So I'm thinking, you know, I've been this road before. When I was in Manhattan, we had services cancel on us. So we'd have 350 people on the sidewalk, could not get into the building. So it's like, wow, here we go again. I've been down this road before. So we get here and then we find out all these other restrictions. Unfortunately, this wasn't closed. But, you know, the thing that's amazing is uh, obviously you see that Frank and Elijah are not here. Uh, Jediah has been in the hospital now. This is going on the third day. So they're still trying to figure out what's going on with the little guy. Let's keep praying. But, you know, Frank just told, you know, Nick and Kyan, guys, can't be there. Just told them either late last night or first thing this morning, you got to do it. You do this. John and Sarah uh, volunteered. They want to be the shepherding couple for this third term coming up. Children's ministry. I know it's awesome. We've been looking for someone. They're great. But obviously, there goes John out of the worship, too. So it's like, uh, and then John Perez is in Nicaragua. Ramon is sick. So a major portion of our AV. And yet, look at what all these brothers and sisters do. Awesome. I am so proud of all of them. The worship team, the AV guys here. Guys, well done. You know, that is the body of Christ, right? It doesn't depend on one person. In fact, I can go ahead and have my stroke or whatever and pass out. We'll get some. Hey! Get behind me, Sarah. Hey, when that time comes, there's not a whole lot anyone's going to be able to do about it, right? I just request I can go out doing something I enjoy like this, okay? John chapter 1. Here we go. No, but I'm not worried about somebody preaching. We got folks that can get up and do that, all right? So anyway, John 1. We have been uh, beginning the Gospel of John for this first part of this year, and we've done it by keying on the theme transform, that we can have our lives transformed. And we've done this by taking some of the themes in the Gospel of John and just discussing, you know, what John is trying to do under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to help us understand our lives can be transformed. This is not so you can have a different type of life. This is to call you back to the life you were created to live. And sometimes we all feel stuck. Sometimes in our best intention, we try and change... And it seems like we sabotage ourselves and we just get frustrated and we get anxious and we get doubting. And it's in the midst of all of that that the Apostle John writes these words. God says, write, John, write it. But he does not write removed from these words. He writes as a fellow journeyer with you and me. He writes not as St. John the Apostle. He writes as a human being whose life not only has been transformed, but is being transformed. Mm. Gospel of John is written toward the end of the first century. John's days on this earth are coming to an end. But he's passing something on. He's passing on a truth that will transform to all of us. And so if we keyed on these different um, 
themes. Today, we're going to do our last theme, and then we'll start studying more of the Gospel of John, different aspects. But the theme of believe, anyone who just reads the Gospel of John over and over again, they will see this word believe. And you will be admonished, you will be encouraged, you will be urged. Believe. Every Christmas time, I love watching Christmas movies. I wait until Christmas time to do them. I don't cheat, all right? I know some of you guys may cheat, and you'll watch your Christmas movies in July, which is perfectly scriptural because we don't know when Jesus was born. But I just kind of get into the season, I watch it. Well, one of the ones I like, you know, I love the old Miracle on 34th Street. Remember that? I even like the remake that they did back in the 90s. I don't know if you saw that, but that was a well-done job, you know? And, of course, the whole theme is there's a man that says he's St. Nicholas. He is uh, Santa Claus, and he's there at uh, uh, Macy's, and then, you know, he gets falsely accused, so they try and... Uh, an attorney wants to prove that this is Santa Claus and that there is a Santa Claus. Well, you know, it's great and we all know that. But it's funny, in that modern version, there's this rallying slogan, I believe. And it's said in order to support this person on trial that I believe in Santa Claus. I believe he's Santa Claus. And what they were talking about is the fact that, you know, it's not the figure, but it says, you know, that he represents something better than our, you know, being locked into this selfish, our self-centered ways that we're just entrapped in, that maybe something better can be. So they rally around this individual, I believe. And, you know, it's a cute story, but it does uncover a truth. We all believe. If I were to say, are you a believer? Every single one of us is a believer. If you're an atheist, you're a believer. Oh, you may not believe in God, but you are a believer in someone or something. You cannot live without believing. Mm. Believing means that this is true. He is true or something is true. And this is the way to live. And so John enters into this four-way of humankind and all of our beliefs. The Roman Empire believed in Rome, and they believed in law, and they believed in rule. The Jew, Hebrews believed in Yahweh, God. The Greeks believed in philosophy and art. And into all of this, John writes his gospel. And he begins the gospel, one of the most beautiful and powerful beginnings and as he's talking about Jesus he comes down to verse 12 and he says yet to all who received him to those who believed in his name he gave the right to become children of God children born not of natural descent nor of human decision or nor a husband's will but born of God I can think of no other way to articulate what transformation is all about except being born of God. It is the divine, the almighty, that gets involved in a human being's life. Transformation is a divine process. 
Without divine interaction, there is no real transformation. There's costume change. Mm. But there is no real transformation. He says to everyone who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. The right to be a daughter of God. The right to be a son of God. God even made it a legal thing. He wants to give you a right. He's not suggesting. But he says, you know what, Osirana, you have the right to be my daughter. That's what God is saying. Ricky, you have the right to be my son. Well, what does that mean? I have the right. Because you received him, because you connected to God, everything is yours. About, well, I don't have much money. How is everything mine? Life is yours. You will go on forever. You will reign with Christ. You go through some challenging times now, but you have the right of the inheritance. And the inheritance doesn't start when you die. It starts now. It starts right now. You have the right to live and to enjoy life regardless of anything. You know, the parable of the prodigal son, there are two sons. And when the son that was estranged went off, he comes back. And what happens? He gets a calf slaughtered. He gets a party. He gets a ring, a robe, everything. All of a sudden, you know what happened? He was biologically the son, but he didn't have the rights to sonship as long as he was out there with the pigs feeding. As long as he was wasting his money on prostitutes. Yeah, biologically, that's my boy. But he has no right to it. He had no right to everything the father had. It is when he came back, he didn't deserve it. But the father said, now that you've come back to connect, now that you have received me, you have the rights of sonship and everything that that involves. A lot of times people talk about faith in God, faith in Christ, and it's empty. They live a life hoping something just kind of goes different. John wrote saying to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave the right. John is saying, there is a difference. Now it comes down to that phrase, who believed in his name. Now that's kind of a weird way. Why didn't he just say, who believed in God? No, no. Satan believes in God. That's what, that's what John 2 says. If you want about the existence or the possibility of God, that's easy. That's just a mere intellectual, okay, yeah, it sounds right. I believe. That's not what he's talking about. To believe in the name. It's kind of an old Hebrew type uh, custom here. You believed in the name. What that meant is you believed in the person of this. To all who received him, who believed in the person of Jesus Christ. The presence of Jesus Christ. The power of every aspect of Jesus Christ. That's what it means to believe. It is not intellect alone. It is, and the word literally for belief means trust. Trust. You know, I can believe that, you know, when I was dating Deb, I believed, wow, she loves me. I now trust that she loves me. After all these years, I trust it. It's no longer just a belief. It is a trust. There's a big difference. We can look at a job we're about to get. I believe this will bring me success. But we don't know it until trusting 
That is a whole different realm, isn't it? So when we're reading this, and when John's talking about, look, guys, I want you to believe in this Jesus. I want to talk about him because he's not a historical figure. He's a living presence today. And over and over again, the Gospel of John will make these incredible promises and say, try him. Come here. Participate. Believe in his name. Trust him. And so there are three areas I want to talk about. The Gospel of John, he will go throughout that we're called to trust him. Number one, we're called to trust him with our past. Trust him with our past. Look over uh, in John chapter 5. And while you're turning there, let me also allude to John chapter 1, verse 18, where John says, The law came through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And in John chapter 5, Jesus is challenged here by some of the religious teachers. And there in verse 19, says, Jesus gave them this answer. I tell you the truth. The son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees the father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him all he does. Yes, to your amazement, he will show him even greater things than these. For just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. Moreover, the Father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. I tell you the truth, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He has crossed over between death to life. I tell you the truth, a time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to judge because he is the Son of Man. He goes on and says, the time's coming when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and rise to the resurrection. God has entrusted all judgment to Jesus. I am so grateful for that when I think about my past. I am so grateful when I think of all of the things I did and I said, I would tell sacrilegious jokes about Jesus dying on a cross. I mean, I would just go right there and insult. So disrespectful. I am so happy that now as I look at my past, God has put Jesus there to judge my past. That when I, one day when I die and when I face him, I will face him not God the Father, God the Son. Well, Sheridan, isn't that a terrifying thing? Yeah, it is if I'm resistant and rebellious. I don't win that one. But it's a great thing if I believe in his name, if I trust him because he's experienced every single temptation that I experienced. And he knows how to deal with it. When I stand before him, I stand before somebody that understands he knows I am weak. He knows I am frail. He knows, you know, everything about me. He knows when I try. He knows when I make an excuse. 
That's scary, yes, but it's comforting too. Because I am not standing before somebody that has never been in this situation. Mm. Jesus put on flesh and felt what it's like to be a human being in a world gone crazy against God. And then according to John 1, it says that the law came through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus. Jesus gives me the two things I need to deal with my past. Number one, truth. I need truth. I need to know that this was wrong. Because if I don't know that, where do I end up? I get forgiven of an infraction, but I just wander right back into it. And the thing that happens is there's always consequences in this life. And yes, we don't get forgiven in life to come, but there are consequences in this life. People wonder, my goodness, this, this person, you know, he was just out partying and he had an accident and killed a person. How to, why did God let that happen? What did God say about drunkenness? Why do you think he warned people about drunkenness? Why do you do that? My goodness, this person got so angry, they lost control. They hit someone, they actually killed them. Why do you think God talked about anger and hatred and violence? Why do you think he warned them? But it's almost like, God, why do you allow consequences? God has warned us. He's warned us. Now, I may not escape consequences. But I can be forgiven. I can know the truth. I will never go back there again. Thank you, God, for painting that clearly. Because this way I won't just kind of meander and, oh, here I am again. No, thank you, thank you, thank you. He came with truth. He will never change his standing. Jesus will never change on sin. It will always be sin. He will not lower the bar. He'll call it sin, lay it out, but then he'll give me grace in order to forgive me of the sin, to cleanse me of the sin, even if there's certain consequences I live with, I can live now. I can change. I can be set free. I don't have to be anchored to my past. The whole field of psychology tries to help people deal with their past. And that's a good thing. But why do they have to do that? It's an ungodly world. And people go through a lot of things. And they carry these scars. You know what they need? They need the truth. The truth is, you're creating an image of God. You are good. The truth is, you got messed up. It's a sinful world. You were sinned against. And maybe you developed sinful response. That's the truth. But the grace is, I can change you. I can forgive you. I can renew you. I can give you hope when there was none. I can give you purpose. I can give you love. I can give you all of that. Do you have to get to be a good enough person? No, that's the grace. The scriptures say that Jesus came in the world not to condemn the world. It's already condemned. <laughs> he came to save it. He's like that surgeon. Surgeon comes in there and doesn't go, you're sick. Well, yeah, why do you think I'm here? Surgeon is approaching him. What can I do to heal this? That's what God does for us. He, we believe in him. We trust, I trust Jesus with my past. He's calling me. Do you trust him with yours? Mm -hmm. Secondly, 
I trust him with my presence. Or my present, I should say. Look at John 1. Go back to John 1. John 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. How ought I to live? I've often quoted that anonymous prayer where it says one part says, I ask God for all things that I might enjoy life. I was given life that I might enjoy all things. Have you ever noticed a baby? You give a baby a toy. What does the baby do? <laughs> you know, it's real happy, right? Take the toy away. What happens? <laughs> give the toy back the baby. Ah, take it away. Ah. That isn't just babies that have these. Right here, folks. Right here. And out there. Absolutely. You know, I just want this one relationship. I think I'm going to get it. Ah, I don't get it. Ah. I want this job. I want this job. I'm going to get it. I got it. I got it. I get fired. I let go. Ah! Ah! We live a life waiting for something to happen. Waiting to get something just so it'll line up. Please let everything line up. And we could, you know why? We're empty on the inside. We need something. We're like that. Gimme, gimme, gimme. We don't have it on the inside. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. In Him was life, and that life was a light of man. He changes the inside. We don't have to come to pieces when life doesn't work our way. We just enjoy this, the peace of God that passes all understanding. We can be disappointed. We don't have to be devastated. Right. See, my present right now, my present, how to live, comes from him. I pray not because it's a good thing to do. I pray to connect. He is the source of life. Where else am I going to get life? Some of us believe well, we have life in our own talents and abilities, but then we whine when things don't go our way. But I thought that our talents and abilities would make something of us. According to who? According to what? Now, don't get me wrong. Use your talents and abilities. Run to win with them. Take it as far as you can go. But what's the ultimate purpose? Why? Why? Can you be at peace on the inside? Or does everything need to be okay on the outside? Can you enjoy the ability to care and be concerned about someone? Or does bitterness just keep you wrapped up? Can you enjoy uh, uh, the idea of being joyful about life and expectant, even though you've had your heart broken and disappointments and things like that? That stuff, what do you take? No wonder so many people, they do drugs, they eat, they sleep, they do anything else trying to cope rather than on the inside. 
I trust him with my present. Do you trust him with yours? And lastly, I trust him with my future. Look at John chapter 14. John chapter 14. Verse 1. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me. And and that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. I don't know if you saw that movie, Paul the Apostle. It was a great movie. Very well done, about three years ago. There's a scene in which Luke is locked up with several other Christians, and there are kids there too. And they're getting ready to be thrown into the arena to the wild animals that will tear them to pieces and kill them. And I love what Luke says. He's looking at everyone, he holds them together, and he goes, just remember this. The pain will only be for a moment. And then we go into eternity. He was appealing to something that's very familiar to all of us. The ability to see a little beyond the immediate situation. Now sometimes we don't do well with that. We don't take that ability and we just freak out at what's in front of us. But we are by creation beyond people. We are by creation expectant people. We are by creation growing people. There's this idea of I'm coming this way. I was talking to an atheist once. And, uh, you know, he was talking about the different uh, ways and different, you know, um, let me just stop this. Talking about, you know, well, well, we kind of evolved from all of this and we're coming up this. I go, well, let me ask you this question. If that's home base we're coming from, why is it that we're always going out here to something unknown? Why don't we just always focus back toward, you know, where we came from? Because that's home base. That's secure. Why is it that we're always wanting to go beyond? He didn't know how to answer that. But that is in us. Why is there, do we have a space program? It's beyond. Why is it, you know, that uh, we look at relationships? We want to go beyond family and things like that. Why, why, why? I remember hearing an illustration 46 years ago, one of the first times, uh, first conferences I went to. And the gentleman was talking about this, about this hope and this expectancy of what's beyond. And he said, you know, you and I get prepared in things like love and joy and relationship and stuff. And, you know, we're doing this. It's not only to connect here, but there's a sense of more and and completion that's coming. He goes, it's like the bird inside an egg. That bird is developing wings that will fly in air it has not yet experienced. What a cruel hoax if the 
shell, if the egg hatches and there's no air for those wings that have been developed for that. You and I are being developed for eternal life. Life in which there is no crying or pain or tears. Life in which the old order of things have passed away. That is what's being formed right now. That is the ultimate goal of transformation. The image of Christ. To be totally what you were created to be in the first place. Totally non-contingent on any physical thing. But God himself being the very source. Unhindered. No sin keeping us here. That is what we're, I trust him for that. He said in John 16 and in verse 33 as they're huddling together before he's betrayed he says this I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble but take heart I have overcome the world. There will always be trouble in this world. Don't compound the trouble by lying, by being deceitful, by living a double life, by doing things different. Be transparent. Love truth because that gives you a basis from which to propel your life forward. Embrace grace. Because God is telling you anytime you fall, get up, get up, it's okay. I'll take care of it. Just keep on keeping on. Trust Jesus. That's the message John wants us to know. Trust him for your past. Trust him for your present. And trust him for your future. How do we do that, Sheridan? You start by opening your heart and praying, Jesus Help me to know you. I can't trust in someone I do not know. Receive the revelation about him. Open your heart to him. Receive him. And you will have the right to be a child of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you. And we get to be here. Thank you for your love for us. God, I just pray that we can embrace you with a real passion. Father, we know that the time is short. We know that one day you will return. But thank you so much, Jesus, that you are our perfect example. Thank you that you are our judge. Thank you that we can trust you to take care of our past, our present, and our future. Thank you that we can be free to transform. We can be free to risk. And if in risking we somehow fail, you just turn that into a learning lesson. And we get to get up and learn more. God, I just pray you'll put this truth deep in each one of our hearts. Help us to truly believe in you and by believing have life in your name. We love you, Father. We thank you. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Singers, come on up. What? They're what? Elijah and Frank are on their way home. All right, Jediah's on his way home, folks. Good, good. Let's all stand. A lot more reason to be joyful here. Come on.
song called I Believe. You've sung this congregationally and it's pretty easy to pick up to.